Hi, Brett and LT here. If you thought last year's Wellness Summit was big, just wait for the 2016 edition. New speakers, incredible venue, world-class exhibitors, and 1,000 of your closest wellness enthusiasts hanging around all in one place. A strictly limited number of two-for-one tickets have just been released, so get in whilst you can enjoy the Wellness Summit for less than $10 per hour. We haven't released any tickets for quite some time, and this block of tickets are available right now. All you have to do is go to thewellnesssummit.com. That's thewellnesssummit.com. Enter your name and your details, and then mark off your calendar for the 10th and 11th of September in your diary, and we'll see you at the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Center for the biggest wellness event of the year. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, it's Mum's the Word, and you're listening to Kaz Jaff, your hostess with the mostess. I uh, wanted to be saying that my whole life, I guess, and I uh, probably won't say it again. So now that's out, and I can tick that box. Just wanted to um, get some information out to some of the listeners as I've been um, emailed a few times now. I am a practicing chiropractor in Melbourne, Australia, in Bayside, and I do see uh, people that aren't pregnant or haven't had a baby. Uh, so that's just something that uh, comes up a lot. Do I see men? Actually, I was a practicing chiropractor for more than 10 years before I niched out and had my focus more on the pregnancy and birth and pediatric world. So if you wanted to find me, it's uh, Dr. Karen Jeff, and I think the rest Google will be able to help you with um, as well, somewhere around Bayside in Melbourne. So now that that's answered, we can get on to this week's uh, episode. And it's a, it's a really uh, exciting one. I couldn't get off and neither could Pip. I think uh, we were both uh, getting on our passionate uh, uh, position and uh, it's one you're going to enjoy and just wanted to share with you that Pip Wynn Owen is a childhood um, childbirth educator, a midwife and a mother of four who is a passionate advocate of empowering parents to create better births. Over a decade ago, Pip was charged with the antenatal classes program and teaching at a large private hospital. Working as a midwife at the time, Pip decided to enroll in formal childbirth education study through Birth International. The study dramatically changed her understanding and approach to prenatal education. With the birth of her fourth child, her first with an obstetrician in the private um, in the private hospital, Pip realised the real need to create an independent child childbirth education service operating externally and alongside the system. She launched Birth Savvy, Ask for What You Want, in early 2013, which promotes better birthing through education. Workshops are held throughout Western Australia and focus on helping parents get the birthing experience they deserve through increasing their confidence confidence and knowledge and promoting an equal partnership with their obstetricians. Since the inauguration of Birth Savvy, Pip has discovered the complementary practice of hypnobirthing and has since qualified as a hypnobirthing Australia practitioner. Through her passion for improving birth experiences for couples, Pip has become a sought-after commentator on maternity issues and makes regular appearances on national radio and TV and has also been asked to write opinion pieces for national newspapers and has um, contributed to magazines and online blogs as well. Very exciting. Pip was awarded the National Hypnobirthing Australia Practitioner of Excellence for 2014-2015. And um, I'm really excited to have her on and have her share everything that we discuss in relation to birth plans and hospital preferences. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Pip. I'm very excited to have you on. As you know, everyone's heard a little bit about you already, but um, 
that was more about your professional uh, bio. We want to hear we want to hear about you, so um, we know who we're listening to. Great, yeah. Well, hi. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I am a registered midwife and a childbirth educator and a mother of four. And I just um, got on quite a journey with my birthing and um, and my career. So I'm working hard to help other women have a great birth experience too now. Amazing. I love how the, the women who've got, you know, kids of three or four or five just roll it off the tongue like it's nothing. <laughs> I mean, so obviously that's played a role in your career or were you a midwife first before you had your first child? No, I had, I had, uh, I was a nurse mm-hmm. and I was actually pregnant with my first in um, the UK. It was quite naive and I was pregnant with him in the UK. And um, we decided to move to New Zealand when I was 35 weeks pregnant. <laughs> and so, of course, of course, as you do. And so we got to New Zealand and um, we were just incredibly lucky because we sort of rocked up and we went, okay, what do we do now? And um, they said, well, go see this GP. He's really lovely. So I went to see that GP and he said, oh, you can have an independent midwife. I went, oh, okay. So we had an independent midwife because it's free over there and that's their model of care. This is 23 years ago. Um, so I ended up having a fantastic birth with him, um, so much so that I decided to do midwifery. My mum's actually a midwife, but I was a bit anti it and um, was very um, surgical nurse orientated. But after my birth, I thought, no, you know, this is something I really want to do. And so I did my nursing at King Eddie's, uh, sorry, my midwifery at King Eddie's here in Perth and then had my next baby baby boy and I had him at the birth center 18 years ago now and that was a brilliant experience and then I had my daughter also at the birth center and she's 16 now Um, and I had some complications with her birth and they said to me after her birth they said oh Pip you won't be able to come back here for your next birth and I went oh that's okay I'm not having another one and then seven years later I called them up and said remember how you said I couldn't come back can I come back now and uh, (laughs) (laughs) so they said but so I did start going through the birth center but they ended up saying um I ended up being saying excluded from the birth center um and had to see a private obstetrician with my fourth and that actually really um horrified me at first um, you know I'm thinking oh my god I'm not going to get this lovely birth um, and then I thought well god if I can't if I can't get a great birth who can you know I'm a midwife I'm a childbirth educator a mum you know I've already had three if I can't get a great birth who can so I was determined I pulled pull my big girl pants on and I um I made a great birth plan and um chatted to my obstetrician and I actually I actually had to get my um, husband to come along and support me on this in the end because I didn't feel supported by my obstetrician. Um, But I ended up having a brilliant birth with him and I thought, well, you know, it's okay. You can have a great birth with an obstetrician and I really need to tell mums how to do that. Amazing. I mean, I think what's something that, you know, is so important that you touched on is is that you knew a lot about it and you still had to put your big girl pants on. And I think that's probably one of the inspirations, you know, of this topic um, and, and why you want to share it is because if it has to be that hard to get the birth that you want, like what kind of world are we in anyway? Yeah, I know. And that, it's just crazy because my obstetrician actually told me on every appointment and he knew I was a midwife, so I think he was trying to be quite nice, but he actually said to me um, that I should have a cesarean section for the first four um, appointments I went with him. And I said no. In fact, I didn't say no. I said 
hang on, I don't want to make that decision just yet. Let's just wait and see. Because my third, third baby was very big. She was £10.13 and she did get a bit stuck. So everybody was worried that this baby was going to be big. But I knew, I kind of knew in my heart that he wasn't going to be that big um, and that she was a bit of an anomaly. And I said to him, let's just wait and see. Please, we wait and see. And, um, it's the, and But in the end, I actually did say to my husband, can you please come and can you please say to him, we're not, we're not deciding on a cesarean now. We're going to wait and see how big this baby gets, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah, but I just it just it just disheartens me a little that people who are in the know have to fight that hard. Imagine what people who just go, "Yep, okay, yeah, okay, and you know, then yeah. you're the expert, and you know, I don't know, I have options." So, all right, cut me open. Yeah, that's right. No, it's really sad, and and I, yeah, that's as I said, that's why I do what I do because too many women that's their experience, and I I know now how hard it can be to really um to to really fight for what you want, and but that's like you said, it's disheartening because it shouldn't be a fight. You know, you should be able to just walk in and go, "This is the birth I want. Let's do it." Yeah, yeah obviously, there's so much fear and um, around birth, and if people give me an easy option, an easy way out, and also. We're in a little bit of a short-term gratification uh, culture, aren't we? So, you know, I can get the baby as quick as, you know, without the without the effort, then, yeah. you know, might be all over it. But obviously what people are forgetting is the recovery and obviously the impact on the child's uh, microbiome and, and so much more. But just for the topic of, um, of this particular um, episode, we wanted to talk birth plans. Let's get in a little bit more about that so that um, listeners know I guess, what's required and how to go about it. And yeah, just let us know some of your expertise. Yeah, look, um, it's it's quite interesting because I actually do like to call them birth plans. You know, some people say, no, no, I call them birth preferences, call them birth wishes because you can't plan birth. But you can plan birth. You know, we're adults and when we go on a holiday, we, we plan a holiday really well. You know, we go, well, we don't just go to the travel agent and say, let's go where you want me to go and let's stay in the hotel you want me to stay in. We, we plan it, we research it, we plan it and we write it down. But then if we get to a, a destination and say we've decided to go to, you know, the museum and we get there and it's a Monday because museums are always closed on a Monday. <laughs> but we, we don't go, oh, no, let's go home. We can't do this anymore. We go, hang on, let's rearrange. Let's look at our plan and let's see what we can rearrange and see, you know, we've got a plan A and we've got a plan B. Let's see how we can arrange it. So I really think people should view their birth plan and own it. Call it a birth plan. This is what I plan. But, yes, I am an adult and I realise things don't always go to plan and I'm prepared to to deviate and I'm going to have a plan A and I'm going to have a plan B. And so that's the first thing is to is to own it and, and call it what it is. Um, and then it is about research. You know, you do have to do your research. It's no good just Googling birth plans or birth preferences and just printing that off and handing it to an obstetrician or a midwife. You really have to do your research and you have to make sure everything you put on your plan you can back up. So say you wanted um, delayed cord clamping. And you go to your obstetrician and say, here you go, I want to do some delayed cord clamping. And um, the obstetrician goes, oh, no, I don't do that um, because it does increase the risk of jaundice in babies um, and they may give you some other reasons. And you know what? It does actually increase the risk of jaundice, but so does breastfeeding and no one's going to tell you not to breastfeed. But I digress. Um, so no, I know. It's great information. <laughs> 
But, you know, but this is this, so it is true. It is true that it re- increases your risk of jaundice. So you need to research and you need to have said, well, what are the risks and what are the benefits and why am I asking for it? And so, yeah, we could say, to people, yeah, I know, I know it does increase your risk of jaundice. Oh, not very much, though, according to the research. Um, but I've decided all these benef- other benefits, you know, increased hemoglobin, increased um, uh, iron, increased oxygen, all the, all the added benefits of um, delayed cord clamping, I decide that they outweigh that one risk that we've been able to find, which is a slight increase in jaundice. So, sort of, man, you really have to have done your research. Yeah, Otherwise, it's great. It's like yeah. people actually become involved in their birth. They're taking yeah. ownership and and not passing it over. It's like they're they're educating themselves, and you know, people spend more time, you know, researching their car and what they're going to buy <laughs> rather than really. I mean, you know, the you know yeah. all the different comparison websites and going down to different doing the test drives and all of this obviously you can't test drive the birth but you know people do all of this and I think this is I mean yeah it's 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 so massive and life-changing obviously for for a whole family um it's so important yeah yeah I think people don't realize that um you know as a parent they're about to make lots and lots of decisions for their child and so they need to start making them now you know make start, start making those decisions in the best interest of your child when you're pregnant i like to um, warn them that once they start thinking about schools you know it's a whole new minefield and they're going to do their research of what school to send their kids to they're going to ask people they're going to um, get lots and lots of different opinions on you know all boys education all girls education state schools you know they're going to get loads and loads of information they're going to do the research but ultimately they're the ones that are going to have to make the choice and they're the ones that are going to live with that choice so it's the same with your birth you know do the research and so does it fall under a midwife's role um all these things in a birth plan or is that would you say outside the scope i mean um i know with doulas that i worked with they take that on board and a lot of um birth uh, educating classes and do that but does that fall in a midwife's role or would they be steering I mean obviously some midwives would do it absolutely but is that the expectation these days do you mean the education or knowing the research and all the things they want to put into their birth plan you know what you just said about delayed cord clamping is that something that midwives are handing out you know freely no, I mean, unless you, and even if you go to um, hospital antenatal classes, they're not giving you all this information. They're not, um, and so it really, so yeah, you know, parents have to find this themselves a lot of the time, which is why I do what I do with childbirth education classes. I do, I mention these things and I, um, and we discuss them a bit in class and, um, and I give them a sample birth preferences. But again, I say this is, you know, this is not for you to just copy and give. You need to make sure everything you put on your birth preference is something you want, not something I want, not something somebody else wants, but something you want. Um, but I do say, but you've got to do the research and I send them loads and loads of links yeah. so that they start looking because I just can't cover everything no, in a class um, and people need to go home, they need to do their research and then they need. And so I do, I send them lots of links because Dr. Google is a bit of a nightmare. So, you know, to, to be able to direct their research is what I do for them. But no, they don't And because I have clients who go to my classes and hospital classes and they haven't heard, you know, a tenth of the stuff that I discuss in my classes with them. Yeah. Yes, no, I mean, it's you're you really uh, inspiring them to get involved in their own child, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, it impacts them. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, and, and in terms of the climate of birth um, plans and 
how is that perceived by, let's say, an obstetrician or a hospital who might be, you know, it's my way or the highway or I do this? I mean, tell us a little bit more about, you know, how that's, um, yeah, just accepted. Yeah. Well, there can be a lot of eye rolling, you know, and a couple come in with birth preferences or birth plan, um, particularly if they call it a plan. But, you know, I say, don't, don't worry about that. Don't take that on board. They've got, they've actually got a plan in their head for how they're going to manage your labor. So you need to, you know, present yours so that you can discuss comparisons and, and see where you meet, see where you need more discussion on. So I just say don't, you know, don't worry about that attitude. I do say don't go in with like a book, Make, keep it down to one page or two page. And often an obstetrician will say, oh, no, 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 we don't want to discuss that yet. We don't need to discuss your birth plan yet. You know, anything could happen. And I say to them, well, that's fine, but you could just maybe pick one or two things off your birth preferences that you do really want to talk about now. Um, and and I also encourage people to say to the obstetrician, no, I actually want to have these discussions with you now because I don't want to be making decisions in labour. I don't think I'm going to make very good decisions in labour, so I want to make all these, I want to discuss my plan A, my plan B, my plan and see now so that if things do deviate in labour, we've discussed them and we know what what the next step is and, and we will make far more informed choices and decisions if and consent if that's the case. So, you know, I just again, you know, it's, it's that pulling your big girl pants on. Just this is your birth, your baby. Don't worry how other people perceive um, your birth plan. Just keep going with it, keep pushing it forward because the more people that push them forward, I actually do hypnobirthing Australia and so we do have quite a um, structured birth plan because there's some few things because you're hypnobirthing that you really want to ask your caregivers to do for you um, and so that's so they're getting really quite um, aware of the hypnobirthing Australia birth plan and that's being received a lot better. So the more everybody keeps going to their obstetrician going, maybe midwives are pretty good, but I'd still do a birth plan for a midwife and I'd still do a birth plan if I was having a home birth, you know, again, have a plan A and a plan B so that you're not making those decisions in labour, you've already made those decisions. Um, so yeah, just presenting them, the more we present birth plans, the more they're going to become acceptable and they're going to become the norm. So, and I like to, you know, I'll reflect on how I used to think about birth plans as a midwife and getting caught up in that culture I did work in a private hospital and you know get caught up in that culture where someone will present a birth plan and you go oh no 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 it's much better to just go with the flow and I you know those words have come out of my mouth that no no you don't need to plan your birth it's much better to go with the flow and um, I read some research I'll probably about three years ago now that looked at that that looked at um, women who um who were scared, who sort of head in the sand scared. They were three groups. So there was women that were just too scared and didn't want to even think about their birth. There was a group of women who were the go with the flow women and there's a group of women that they called the self-determiners. So they were the women that made um, made plans and then actively sought ways of, you know, getting their plan working for them. And before I read that research, I would have said, and most people will tell you, like doctors and midwives will tell you, that it's the women that go with the flow that have the best outcomes. But that research actually showed it was the, the women who um, planned their birth, were proactive about getting the birth they wanted, even when their birth didn't go the way they wanted it to, even when it did deviate from the plan, they still felt much more um satisfied with the outcome they felt much more involved in the decision making process so so it's not best to just go with the flow it's best to have a plan and then take steps t towards actually implementing that plan yeah it's very empowering if you're actually aware of your options and and no one here is saying that you know 
I've got a birth plan and let's say it doesn't go to plan that I'm going to be at risk of my, uh, you know, putting my baby in danger because I wanted to get my actual birth, you know, plan ticked off. You know, no one's yeah. doing that. And I think the, the aware or educated or the one that's done the research can see that, you know, they might have done everything they could before they, let's say, got to a vacuum or got to an episiotomy or got to everything. So it's just yeah. really opening up a dialogue, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's got to be empowering. Yeah. And the other thing it, doing is it's opening up a dialogue between mum and dad as well between the par- parents um which is really powerful for the dads um because when a mum's in labor she really really shouldn't be asked any direct questions she should just get on a birth um and and not get into her neocortex too much so if a dad's there and they've discussed the birth preferences and they've shown them the birth plans to the obstetrician and they've shown them to the midwives um he, that's a, that's really reassuring for him. So again, like you just said, if things do deviate, um, he'll he'll know to ask this question and that question, and and can we wait a bit longer? And without actually having to ask his partner, what should we do now? What should, what, should, what what do you want to do now? What should we do now? They will be on the same page. They'll they'll be have discussed it all, and he will have the power and to be her advocate at that really important time. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's a little bit of a no-brainer, but I, I know we're we're backing up the same tree here. But it's also just to let the listeners know that, um, you know, they do have options and they do have a say. It's their birth as well. Yeah, and when you feel involved in that decision-making process, like you said, you know, so yes, you you do end up with a cesarean section, but you really, really understand why, and then you can be happy. You know, it's it's all about having a positive outcome no matter how you birth, so that you feel, yep, that was the best birth possible for me with the situation I was given. Yeah, I think that definitely helps with that sort of postnatal healing period as well, that they may not be what their, you know, ultimate, what they looked like, looked like before they went into labour and how it ended may not be the same, but that they can be at peace with it. And um, obviously that's so beneficial for obviously feeding and, um, yeah, parenting as well. It's actually really beneficial on a very physiological, biological level too. You know, if, if you if you feel great about your birth, no matter what, then your hormone, even though maybe the hormones haven't been triggered quite in the way they needed to be during labour and birth, they will be triggered the way they're meant to be during breastfeeding and bonding. So, you know, it's actually really beneficial on a very biological, physical le- level as well. Thank you for adding that in. That's mm. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. Um, and, and is there anything, I don't know, obviously different hospitals um, around the country or even around the world for our listeners, is there anything just I'm curious that someone would have on a birth plan that that would be absolutely no one would, no one would let that in? Is there anything? Uh, oh, look, I get water birth. You know, if you want, a, if you want a, a water birth in a private hospital in Perth, that, that's just a no at the moment. You, you can't actually give birth in the water. You can labour in water, but you can't actually birth your baby in the water. So that, that would be an absolute no. But I get couples, you know, because we, we talk a lot about not birthing on your back, um, and it's not just not birthing on your back. It's actually about being allowed to choose your position to actually birth in. Um, and I get obstetricians, you know, the feedback that obstetricians have said, no, 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 you know, you've got to birth on your back if you're birthing with me. Um, so I, t- I actually, we have a discussion about how you approach that. And ultimately, you can give your birth plan to your obstetrician and they actually, here in Australia, according to their own guidelines of their own college, the professional body, they're actually meant to 
um, respect your wishes no matter what. So if they know they've given you, they've said to you all the risks and benefits of a certain um, intervention and you still decline that intervention, they're actually meant to still respect your wishes. So I kind of arm my clients with that as well. But I say to them ultimately, you know, if there's something like that that you actually don't want to give birth on your back, you don't have to turn over. (laughs) When the the time comes... (laughs) You can stay in your position. You can just block that out. And again, if your partner's on board with you at that point, um, you know, nobody's, nobody's going to force you to turn over at that point if there's no real need, you know, if there's no medical reasons for, for you to turn over at that point, they, they're going to just leave you to it. Um, so you can present your birth preferences. And, 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 and it's, you know, I've just called them birth preferences again because I like people to call hospital policies, hospital preferences, you don't have to follow them. They, they tell you them just in the same way you're going to tell them your birth plan, but you don't have to follow them. You can decline anything. So, yeah, so yeah. but answering your question, there, there are a few things, but on the whole, um, if you open that discussion early in labour, sorry, early in pregnancy, you can usually um, get anything you want. You know, if you're armed with the right research and the right evidence base and and then have discussions with your obstetrician along the way and I just had a client who did tell me about that her and her obstetrician backward and forwarding with different research um, for different things that she wanted in her labour um, but they had this conversation and they had this conversation for months so on the day she got the birth she wanted. How fantastic. Mm, yeah. Ooh, I got little goosebumps about that. That's great. So obviously you've been working in birth a long time and you've, I mean, you actually grew up around it. A mum was a midwife. I mean, you know, how special. Um, yeah. You must have some amazing affirmations or quotes or things surrounding birth that, you know, mean something to you and we'd, I'd love you to share. Yeah, I think one of my favourite ones is um, Barbara Katz Rothman. And she said, birth is not only about making babies. Birth is about making mothers, strong, competent, capable mothers who trust themselves and know their inner strength. And I think that's so important. You know, it's not, we get this all the time that it's about a healthy baby, but I like to say that healthy babies need healthy mums and healthy dads um, looking after them to keep them healthy. Absolutely. Happy baby equals happy mum equals happy baby. I mean, we see that cycle again and again. Um, And and obviously, um, you've listened to a few episodes now of Mums the Words, and we've been, uh, I think, already, yeah, going a few months now. Um, What about some struggles or sometimes related to either professionally or or um, even personally, if you wish to share that, you know, might have been a bit difficult for you, um, ideally related to birth if possible. And, and what did you learn and, and how did you come out of it? Well, I guess, you know, one of the things for me, again, is a big reason of why I do what I want to do and why that quote really resonates for me is that I did have post-sound depression after my um, first three babies. And I've just told you I had brilliant births. I had lovely midwifery, lead care births, great births, but I did suffer from post-sound depression with all three of them. But it was really interesting because my fourth baby, who was my one that I had to fight for the birth I wanted, he was my most empowered birth. Um, I didn't get post depression after him. And so I think that's a big – I think what I did with the first three babies was that I just sort of went, I'm going to do what the midwife tells me, which fortunately was fantastic, but I didn't own those births. I just did what I was told, which was, as I said, was all the good things. But with my 
obstetrician birth, I had to say, no, this is what I'm doing. And I, I had to push him out of his comfort zone and make him do things he doesn't normally do because um, I actually did end up with an induction, but I, I wasn't monitored, and I, which was my, my call. I decided did the research for me and decided I didn't want to be monitored. Um, and I had a wonderful three-hour induction with no pain relief, which I didn't really think was possible until I did it. Um, and as I said, I didn't get postnatal depression, and I think it was that, that empowerment I got from that birth um, really set me up for the next. You know, you you end up when you birth like that, you end up feeling like Wonder Woman, and you feel like Wonder Woman for months and months to come. Yeah, I mean, how interesting because I mean, just from my understanding, you know, in terms of depletion, obviously your fourth baby you'd fed and created three three babies before that, and then grown this baby. So at this point, your body is quite. It's quite spent, and even if you took the best supplements and your body absorbed them amazingly, at some level you're more tired than when you had your first. That you know, even with all this, um, I guess, uh, focus on research, and you know that that you'd have a better outcome with a more, I would imagine, depleted body. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I think it was that power. You know, when we learn about what, what oxytocin does for us and what um, those endorphins right at the end do for us, I think that was it. I had my oxytocin was just flowing madly. Which, not not saying it wasn't with the other three, but there was just a certain reserve with those births. Whereas this birth, I just felt no. If I want to get the birth that I need. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to do this all on, not all on my own because my husband was there, but I'm going to have to, you know, do it pretty much on my own. Whereas the others, I kind of really let the midwives do it all for me. No, it's amazingly empowering. And I, and maybe there was a little bit like, this is my last one. I've got to get this. <laughs> I've got to do this right. And I've got to show myself that I can do it. So I'm going to do it. And the determination yeah. is what did it for you. Mindset yeah. over, over matter, you know. Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, that's really interesting because I do say this in my classes, you know, that um, when I got pregnant with Harry, you know, I sort of went, oh, no, I'm pregnant again. But then I went, <laughs> I went, oh, fantastic. Like, and and, and mums do this to themselves all the time. They go, oh, fantastic. I'm having another baby. I can get it right this time. And I, I didn't know what that right was because I had great birth. So what is this right? What is this, you know, what is this um, gold standard I'm looking for in birth? And um, and I realised after him it was, it was that empowerment. It was that absolute take control and own my birth and use, use the power of my mind to really have a fantastic birth. Yeah. yeah, and I think people who do have that empowered birth and want to shout it from the rooftops, whether it was the amazing outcome that they had planned, you know, it was plan A or whether it was plan Z, um, yeah. you know, you do want to share. There is that, I mean, look, if you if you had an induction, I'm just presuming that you were, you know, at least a term, that there's probably a lot more oxytocin receptors at that point as well so that yeah. the potential to have a better outcome, is you're just so ripe and ready and if it that, goes well, that your mind is the one that's governing all that hormonal, you know, all those hormonal juices and that dance. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I also knew that I wanted the drip turned off, so, you know, those things like that. So I made him turn the drip off as soon as I then established labour so my own oxytocin could take over. Exactly. And, you know, so they did some things like that, which, again, people don't know. They don't know to ask for that. So really making the most of that. But, yeah, you know, like you said, you know, yes, my, my first baby, looking back on him, I was much... Um, I didn't have to watch what I ate. I was really fit and healthy, you know, whereas with my fourth, I, I but I did because he was my fourth and because I was older, I did actually really watch what I ate and because I didn't want another huge baby. I did really watch what I ate and kept active and kept fit. So all those things that I, I teach, 
um, and had been teaching since my third baby, I was able to put to really into practice with him. So it grew me as a woman, it grew me as a mum, and it grew me as a childbirth educator to go through that birth that I had with him. Yeah, no, it just sounds like there's a lot more mindfulness, and that's the interesting thing. I think mm-hmm. it's you know the mindset that was a really big difference. It's it's great to hear that. Yeah, and no, I think I think it really was. Yeah, absolutely. And so between uh, teaching hypnobirthing and and but um, obviously birth and antenatal classes, I mean, people in Perth, obviously being a midwife, people in Perth are pretty lucky to have you. <laughs> well, I'm pretty busy, um, and I've actually just added um, breastfeeding classes, which I haven't done for a long time um, because I'm so busy just doing the sort of birth preparation stuff. But I've just added breastfeeding classes, and I'm adding um, early parenting classes too because I think you know when we don't get the birth that we um, probably wanted, and when we don't get those hormonal kicks that we um, are meant to get. And there's still ways of overcoming that. And if we understand that with breastfeeding and bonding and early parenting, um, we can have a great experience no matter what. Oh, yeah, it's so important. You get home from the hospital or you have the baby at home and the midwife leaves and suddenly you are responsible 24-7 for this being. And it's like, oh, we didn't do anything about this part. We just did up until when the baby came out. And now what do we do? What do we do? You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, some people have never held a baby before that point. Um, Super important and, yeah, exciting. I loved my breastfeeding classes before. Like, um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's really important. I, I, I stopped doing them a while ago because um, the research, just as you're saying, was, was sort of saying that women couldn't focus beyond the birth and it wasn't much point teaching them anything beyond the birth. So I keep them really quite basic um, to, to really just so they get them, you know, sort of get those basics right and then that, that sets them up. But, yeah, more and more people are saying that to me that, you know, they, they wish they'd done some classes before as well. Yeah, it's such a shame because you obviously there is some fatigue when you know the baby comes in and people are visiting you. And I can't imagine the thing on your mind is every Tuesday night to go to a parenting class at that point, you know, with your baby. You're not going to leave it at home. So, I mean, it just, yeah, makes sense. So, with all that you're doing, and obviously we didn't throw in there the mum of four, what what drives you and gets you up in the morning to do what you do? Oh, it's this passion and, and it's my clients too. And when I get their birth stories and um, realise what a difference I've made, you know, when I was doing as a midwife, you get a bit burnt out and you're trying to, um, you're trying to change the system from within and I got a bit fed up of doing that. So now I try and change the system from without and I just concentrate on one birth at a time and, and when you get those wonderful feedbacks, you know, over and over again that they've felt so empowered by their birth and they have got the birth um, that they feel proud of, um, that keeps me going. That really keeps me going. Amazing. I love it. The fulfilment. Yeah. It can give you so much energy to get through those uh, all-nighter births, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and what would you tell either yourself um, now, obviously with all that you know, what would you tell yourself in that first pregnancy or um, or a mum who's now pregnant for the first time? Just share some of your experience. What would you tell them so that they could be more equipped? I tell them to enjoy the pregnancy, you know, and really it's such a special time. You're growing a whole human being. It's such a, an incredible time. So really enjoy that pregnancy. Don't stress about the birth yet. That's just a day, you know. It's it's all about the pregnancy, um, the birth, just a small part, and then it's about the breastfeeding and bonding and just really 
embrace, embrace your body. I know with my first, because I was, I was pretty young and I was traveling and it was all a bit of a shock to get pregnant in the first place. Um, but I didn't really honor, honor my birth, uh, my um, pregnancy in a way that I, I certainly did with my, my last baby. That's good advice. And, and what about some, obviously in the birth world and having some amazing mentors, what's the best advice you ever received? You know, the best advice I ever received was from my midwife in um, New Zealand. And she said to me, you're always two weeks late with your first baby. <laughs> I'm saying that is the kindest thing to say to anybody that's pregnant. You're always two weeks late with your first baby. So it just took that pressure off that due date. Um, and, um, yes, and she also said to me, she was a, a beautiful midwife, and she actually also said to me when I was breastfeeding my son for the first time, oh, you're just a natural at this. And just those kind words. Oh, yeah. What a wise woman, <laughs> knowing how far-reaching that was. Yeah. Both, both times, she, you know, she didn't, she, yeah, very, very kind and wise. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it sounds very loving. And um, what about just for the listeners, some, uh, you must have some amazing resources that you'd love to share, whether you share them with your clients or, or parents that come um, to your classes, some great books or websites that they could get on board with. Yeah, look, I love um, Sarah Buckley's Gentle Birth, Gentle Mother. That's a really lovely book. Um, and also she does discuss the um, hormones of labour too. She does, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and that's a really great understanding of those there. And as far as when you're researching for your birth plans, I love Sarah Wickham. So she's www.sarahwickham, S-A-R-A-W-I-C-K-H-J-M.com. She's, a, um, she's an English midwife she's a home birth midwife she's an academic she's actually Dr Sarah Wickham and she just breaks down when you're when you're looking at the research she she breaks it down and puts it in layman's language so when your obstetrician's saying oh the risk of this and the risk of that the risk of this and the other um she looks at that research that they're quoting and says well what does it actually say what is this actually saying and what does this mean for you so it's a really great common sense um website for when you really need evidence-based um, birth plans. Fantastic. That's mm-hmm. perfect for this episode. Yeah, yeah no, I think it's really good. And just one more question, you know, how can people best get in touch with you and find out more about all your amazing services? So my website is www.birthsavvy.com.au and um, so I, that's where I put my blogs and some links and where all my classes are all um, timetabled up there. And I, um, they can email me. I'm always happy to receive emails when people have got questions. And that's pip at birthsavvy.com.au. Oh, sounds like, I mean, I know I've already been on that website and I will send all the listeners there. It is an amazing, um, I've read a lot of those blog posts and it was great just to get to know you before we did the recording anyway. But it's great content. It almost makes you want to have another baby so you're even more equipped. Um, information. <laughs> I know. I know you're probably at your your, your max there. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time and um, and for sharing. It's uh, it's obviously uh, very helpful for the listeners out there to know where to look for birth plans and 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 how they'll be received. And I know we're we're both so um, we're so pro. Just more from an empowerment perspective. I really appreciate having you on, Pip. That's great. Thanks for the invite. Very welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.